Hello, everyone. Thanks for being here. Today, I'm excited to share with you some of the most important verses in the Bible to me. Now, I'm not a highly educated man. I'm a little too logical sometimes, and I can be a little bit hard-headed. So the way I look at the Bible might be a little different from some of you with a little more education and a little more knowledge in it. But I want to just share with you on how I look at this. So the of course, to me, one of the most important verses is John 3.16. I'm sure you all know it. The reason that's important to me as a nine-year-old in reading the Bible, I realized I needed to give my life to Christ, and knowing that verse made a big difference. So that's one of the top most important verses to me. But a lot of my approach to the Bible was on how I was raised. Um, when I was in fifth grade in a tiny three-room school, I had to memorize the Sermon on the Mount and Matthews 5, 6, and 7. And that made a big impact on me, even though I had to memorize it in the King James Version with all the these and thous, and as a young person, that was a little confusing sometimes. But I just really appreciated the clear presentation of the Sermon on the Mount and how that was simple to follow along. But I grew up being taught a very mixed-up gospel, I was taught the plan of salvation, but pretty much without grace. If you sinned, they taught us that if, even if you didn't know you sinned, you were going to go to hell. Even if you had given your life to Christ already, you were still going to go to hell until you had made it right. There was a lot of guilt put on me. And I watched people manipulate the Bible to control others, and that really made me question Christianity. So in my early, late teens, by my late teens, I was pretty bitter about things and almost ready to walk away from God. And then I went to the Ukraine to help with feed-starving people. This was right during, as communism collapsed and inflation had created a situation where even though there was food there, people couldn't afford it. And so there was literally people selling their furniture trying to eat. While I was there, I got to meet the underground Baptists. These were the people who, during communism, they weren't allowed to meet. They were meeting in houses. They were basically sneaking out at night just to be able to get together, um, being told stories of having to sing quietly so they don't wake the neighbors, and meeting pastors who were beaten and put in prison for many, many years. But these people just had a big impression on me because of their faith in God. They most definitely knew what truly loving God was. And also, they were very good at loving other people. We'd go into a little village, and we'd bring in a, we had this Volkswagen van that we always loaded down way too heavy, and I was fixing it all the time because it kept breaking from being loaded too heavy. And we'd bring in food, rice, beans, garden seeds, and they were always the ones who were first talking about, well, grandmother down the street, she really needs something. So their, their needs were always last. They put other people first. And as a 20-year-old, that made a big impression on me in them seeing their, the love that they had for other people. So during this period in watching what I called true Christianity, in the persecuted church, they were still being persecuted by the Orthodox um, church in some areas. And so watching that happen during that period, I decided that I needed a simple gospel to rebuild my faith on. So I went back to what Jesus said was the most important. 
So these verses are what I rebuilt my Christianity on. It's Matthew 22, 34 through 36. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are so simple, but so deep. Now, in my house, my boys know that almost any moral or spiritual discussion comes back to these verses. I've quoted them to them many, many times, because I feel that this, since Jesus said this is the most important things, we need to go back and visit this. So if the debate was why it was important to do something in the Bible, why would God had given a command, I still always started with, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. We're doing it because we love him. Now, as we go along and we study the Bible more, we discover why he asked us to do these. But it still comes back down to if we just have these verses, we understand why we need to do it. We're loving God. Now, I was reading for this um, to share the other night, and I realized that when my boys were younger, I could have probably used Mark 12, 29 through 32. It has a little more... Um, a stronger attention getter in the beginning. It goes, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, said in the right tone, I probably would have got their attention. But then it goes back to, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is this, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. As we follow the life of Jesus, we see his love in action all the way through to his ultimate sacrifice on the cross. And this past weekend, to me, Easter is still one of the best times in Christianity that we celebrate. I got to see Easter in a different perspective when I lived in the Ukraine. Um, to them, it was a much bigger holiday than Christmas. There was gift giving. There was parties house to house. Um, if you would meet someone three months afterwards and you hadn't seen them yet, you still would greet them with, he is risen, and the response was always, truly he was risen. And the, that was another thing that was very made a big impact me, on me as a young boy, is watching the enthusiasm for Easter. And to this day, Easter to me is still the most important time that we celebrate. We need Christmas, of course, to be able to celebrate Easter, but Easter was still the most important thing. So we found this verse in Matthew and Mark, and now we're going to go to Luke 10, 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So this expert in the law, he knew the answer. He had read Leviticus, but of course, and I can identify with him because I'm a little hard-headed sometimes too. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? So, see, trying to find a way out of this. But even experts like this need to hear stories. I love a story, a good example. It often clicks with me. In school, I would always did better on the math stories than I did with just the simple questions because I needed to have it written out for me. So Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho 
when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then the man put him on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. So Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell on the hands of the robbers? Well, the experts in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Now, this parable, we can take it apart. We can talk about the priests and the Levite. I'm sure Pastor Curtis could inspire us with a sermon on him. But since I like simple things, and we all know who the hero in the story is, the Samaritan, I'm focusing on him. He helped people in need. He loved his neighbor. Simple, straightforward. That's why I love these verses. And as we continue on, we go into the book of John. Now, we've been seeing this, loving your neighbor in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in John, it says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So John is explaining to us that walking out our faith is shown by loving others. And we go into Romans 13, 8 through 10, says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever command there may be are all summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. There again, I feel these words just, they speak for themselves. It's very clear about what we're called to do. In James 2, 14 through 25, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, if you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. As the body is without, without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So James is very good at tying these two together. Someone gave an example once. You can't clap your hands one by itself. You need faith on one side, and you need the deeds on the other side to be able to clap your hands. I thought it was a good example of that. In James one twenty seven. It says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is to do this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And I'm moving to that last scripture because I'd like to share with you an opportunity that we have. Um, I've been involved in various missions and doing a lot of 
My wife and I spent our first year of our marriage helping to rebuild houses in various parts of the country through different organizations. And I want to share with you an opportunity that, uh, that we have to do this. Uh, Franklin Graham, which is Billy Graham's son, leads an organization called Samaritan's Purse. Now, most of you probably know him, know of this through the, the Operation Christmas Child Boxes, but they also do a lot of other things. They currently are setting up hospitals in the Ukraine. They're around the world doing a lot of other things. But right here in the U.S., they are doing a lot of work in helping with all the storms that we've had in the past. And so we're going to, um, I'm going to show you a video now about vol volunteers serving. Together we built the place and we lived in it for 30 plus years. And uh, it's all gone. Totally destroyed by fire. The devastation, it's like a kick to the stomach. The roof was completely gone. All of our memories being wiped away. The rain is what got 20 us. minutes of sheer terror. And you can feel it in your body. I watched the fire move down the canyon. The rumbling of the house. And it's gone now. The tornado took Debris it. Debris started falling down on me. It was so quick. All I can say is I thought I was getting ready to get buried alive. But when I got up, thank you, Jesus. And I held my husband's hand and we both were there. He was okay. And I was okay. You have your whole family right there. And you can hear things hitting into the building. And my son started screaming, we're going to die, we're going to die. My mom said, we are not dying today. In the name of Jesus, we are not going to die. A lot of noise, a lot of wind, fear. Pure fear. There's a rough few minutes. When it comes through, it comes through with a fury, I'll tell you that. There are some people that I know that have passed away, but... Uh, you know, you get one shot at life. It was pulling the doors as I was trying to keep it closed. There wasn't any house. Oh, like a bomb went off. I am hearing propane tanks blowing up. You could up. hear everything falling, the debris. Feeling your body. I was just holding on to my girl so tight. And then the kids just started singing. And it was just an absolute peace washed over us. All I could say was when I came out, tell God thank you. I thank the Lord. You tell God thank you, Kiki. We had to tell him thank you because he held us. He kept us. Tell God thank you. This is somebody's home. This is their, their, their hopes, their dreams. Somebody raised their family here and it's gone. Let us pray. Father God, we come this morning in the name of Jesus. Father, we know that you're only looking for people that you can use to surrender themselves to you. So here we are, Lord. We know without you, we can do nothing. This team have gathered together here to be your hands, to be your feet. And we want you to shine through us. And everyone says, amen. Thank God for volunteers. Your heart 
breaks for these people. And you really just want to do anything you can do to help them and comfort them. I know how God has touched my life. If I can bring that blessing to someone else, I want to be a part of it. Even if I don't know how to tear down a moldy wall or fix a roof, I can help with their kids. My kids, the first trip I went on, they were like, Mom. And I said, hey, I'm doing this. Don't hide your light. I'm just happy to be here and serve this community in Jesus' name. Be the hands and feet of Jesus and show his love to people in a time like this. That's why we came out. I'm trying to love because I was first love. So many volunteers showing the love of God. That's what made the difference and made my strength feel back up. The whole last six days has been quite an experience. I don't care to go through it again, but I wouldn't change it for nothing. I don't see how it could have been any better. Come and see what God did. Who would have thought a storm would have brought us all together? Yes! <laughs> we come today to dedicate this to God's glory. Yes. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You thank God in the good times and the bad times. And when you know Him as your Savior, you know how to thank Him. You know how to give Him praise because He's in control of your life. And when you trust him and obey him and live for him, hallelujah. He said he'll take care of me and he'll take care of you. All right, we got it. So this summer, they're serving at least starting in Kentucky and Louisiana. Just a quick side note on Louisiana. This is still from the hurricane two years ago. And last I checked, they still had over 40 houses that needed work from two years ago. And they've had volunteers coming in for two years on a very steady basis. So the need is great. They're focusing on helping elderly people, handicapped people. That's why I use the verse, the widows and orphans. They're working with people that really need help and they've fallen through the cracks. Um, now, this, we're still in heavy storm season. We've had fires in Colorado. There's, I think the fires in New Mexico is still going on. So we're not sure where all the opportunities will be there. I have a liaison there directly with Samaritan's Purse, and we're working on putting three trips together this summer that I'd like to take people and go and work on these. Uh, the next video I want to share is the experience on someone else's end in Kentucky. So this is the experience of Samaritan's Purse helping somebody in Kentucky. rain severely for a few days and the water had been coming up steadily but that night it was like ankle deep water in the house we stepped out of the house and we were waist deep this is the first time i've ever been in this bed of water completely destroyed everything lost everything except the dogs and us I didn't even know about you guys, really. I, I didn't. I didn't know who Samaritan's Purse was. I had no idea. Y'all showed up. I talked to you all yesterday, and here you are. Honestly, it's kind of hard for me because I'm not real good on asking for help. I've always had to like do it myself, and it's kind of overwhelming and good too. But kind of makes me feel bad, you know. Thank you. 
it's just kind of hard to ask for help. But, you know, sometimes you just have to. And... I was kind of wondering how we were going to get rid of it all. So, but thankfully, they've taken so much. They've been moving just the stuff that were destroyed by the flood, like the furniture and the flooring and um, insulation had to come out of the walls. The walls had to come back down to the studs. That will help get us, you know, closer to being back in there. Thank you for allowing us to come and help you. It's something that God puts on our heart. We've got your new Bible. You have to hear it. We're very thankful for you guys showing up and, and everything you can to help us. Anybody I see that's going to need help or that can help, or you guys I think might be able to help in any way, trust me, you're going to be getting a call from me or them one saying, guys, somebody needs you. Like you were there for me, so we'll be there for them. So just giving of our time makes a big impact. But it also make, not only makes a big impact on the people we're helping, it makes a big impact on us. I have seen the impact it made on Rachel and I. You know, we didn't have kids yet at that point when we were serving. I've seen the difference it can make in a church. And so I'm inviting you all to think about this, who you would want to go with. Maybe it's your group at your table. Maybe it's your life group. Maybe you want to take your family. Um, if you have kids 14 years and up, they are welcome to go with this. They have some great programs set up to make so that everyone has something to do. The um, last one I want to show you is just to give you a little bit of an idea of how it works. And so we're going to show you, it's called a, a lighthouse church, but it kind of gives you a little idea of how the whole system works. So let's watch the last video. When we came out of that cellar and I saw it, I did not see any hope. Water just coming in like, like a tidal wave. We hadn't had that much rain ever. The need was great. What can we do? Then ask the church and whoever wants to help. The volunteers, Samaritan's Purse, churches have come up and they've done so much that uh, you can't feel sorry for yourself. The blessings of God have just overwhelmed us. This disaster was able to bring Christ to so many people that maybe would have never had the opportunity to hear that before. It opened up doors in our community for our church that would have been impossible. They said, we would like to talk to you about hosting Samaritan's Purse here at your church. We'll bring in everything that's needed. So we said, let's do it. Samaritan's Purse could not do the things that we do without uh, good host churches that are willing to open up their facility and to house volunteers, to feed volunteers, and to be that base of operations for a disaster. They called us a lighthouse church, and that was a church that was housing people from Samaritan's Purse so they could come in and do their work. And what an awesome responsibility that was. Being a lighthouse church is incredibly important. People know they can go. They know they can get help. They know they can receive help there. Partnering with Samaritan's Purse, we were empowered to really be the hands and feet of Jesus. I think any church would be blessed to have that ability to go out and meet people in their need right then. Made our church someplace that was shining throughout the community. I put on Facebook that God's sending saints our way. 
God is good and and these people are angels. If it wouldn't have been for the volunteers and Samaritan's Purse, you know, giving us supplies and stuff to try to help clean up, I don't I don't know, I don't think we would have made it this far. And so the partnership with this local church, that's important, but also we need lighthouse churches that send volunteers, churches that, that catch the vision and maybe they wouldn't be one that would host us, but maybe they could send a group of volunteers. We need those churches that uh, will say, I can put a team together and I can send a group down to do disaster. Samaritan's Purse actually is making our job easy here to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to really go out and make a, a big impact. To see a sea of orange just flowing throughout the community was amazing. Only God can take a disaster and turning it into something amazing. It's not us. It doesn't matter what we have to give. God can pour that strength through us and use us if we're just available. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you guys so much for your help. Oh my goodness. You're welcome. You guys are safe. We have to have those local churches that catch that vision, who have a heart for reaching their community. But the important thing too is that, that we find a church that when Samaritan's Purse pulls out of the parking lot, that the ministry doesn't stop there. We still know that we have support from Samaritan's Purse, and we're just gonna pick up and continue the same work that was already started here, even before Samaritan's Purse got here. Here in this deployment, we've had over 70 folks that have come to know Christ, and uh, we wanna find a church that's going to disciple those. We experienced probably our greatest surge of attendance on the weekend and membership that we've ever had in our history after the flood. There's a lot of work still yet to be done. But after Samaritan's Purse pulls out, the work will still continue and we'll be grateful for what was done. There were several key families that are members of our church now that had no idea anything about Promised Land or God at all before the flood. It was such a beautiful experience. It was almost a little bit sad when everybody packed up and left. Our relationship with Samaritan's Purse has been awesome. We had the same statement of faith. We had the same beliefs. We had the same focus on the gospel and giving God the glory for what he's done. Just to know that you're working with people who do give God all the glory, that's been an incredible joy for us. So what I love is that as we go on these trips and um, work with churches that are making an impact locally. Not only do we have the opportunity to serve others, but we also have the opportunity to, to help them help the local churches reach out to their community. So men, here's my challenge. Love God and love your neighbor. I have some questions on the table for you and information about signing up for the trips or just ways you can contact me to talk about the opportunities if you have questions. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much for sending your son to die for our sins. Thank you for giving us instructions on how to show your love through our lives by loving our neighbor. I just pray that you would open the doors so that we can see each opportunity you have given us to do this and that you would show us where you want to go in this. Let's call this in your name. Amen.